Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. We will continue to dive into the Paramatma Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. Hoping to not drown in the terse text <laughs> and deep philosophical truths presented therein. The last thing you said, not the last class, the very last sentence you said, just kind of <laughs> everything. You said, here with your heart, not trying to figure it all out with your head. Okay. <laughs> so we'll start from there. Hearing with our heart. We're trying to wrap our minds, though, around the Chatra Vyuha. These manifestations that come directly from Krishna, the first manifestations. There's four manifestations of the Supreme Lord uh, in the spiritual realm, and then those manifestations also come into the cosmic realm, material creation. Mm-hmm. Are they the same set, or he expands again? Expands it. Said the second set expands from Sankarshan. Okay. So the first comes directly from okay. Krishna, and then the second set comes from Shankarshan. And, and that first set, set that you're referring to is the mind, buddhi. They all are representative of that. But of course, in the spiritual realm, they take specific personalities, as they do in the material realm. But they also have their representation within the within the subtle spiritual and material bodies. Both. Both are representative of those aspects. In other words, within the spiritual realm, we hear of the Chatra Vyuha being Krishna's uh, direct uh, associates. But they're representative of his mind, of his intelligence, of his... Mm-hmm. So, and in the material realm, they have the same functions, but they're in the material realm. So let's read through what it says there, and see if we can grasp what Jiva's presenting here. This is directly from his Anucheta, where we left off. To understand the subject of Bhagavan's integral self-expansions, we have to keep in mind that there are two categories of quadruple manifestations, Chaturvyuha. The first one manifests directly from Sri Krishna and consists of Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha. These four are supra-cosmic forms being situated within the spiritual domain and are worshipable for the devotees. The second Chaturvyuha is present within the cosmos and is known by the same name. It manifests from Sankarshan of the first quadruple manifestation. This cosmic Chaturvyuha exists for the purpose of the creation sustenance and dissolution of the cosmos. The Anucheta continues. From this it is understood that Krishna expands in four forms for the benefit of his devotees and for the purpose of cosmic creation, sustenance, protection, and dissolution. 
There are three potencies required for creation, mainly will, cognition, and action. The first potency has its source primarily in Krishna, he being the supreme regulator. Nothing can happen without his will. The cognitive post potency is primarily rooted in Vasudeva, the deity of Chitta. Sankarshan predominantly embodies the potency of action, being the deity of Ahankar. Therefore, creation occurs through the agency of Sankarshan or Mahavishnu, the first Purusha. Sambhu is another name for Vasudeva, also called Narayan, and Sri Sutta calls him Para, the Supreme. This is understood from the words of the sage Drumila. This is from the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam. Jiva quotes, When Narayan, the primeval Bhagavan, evolved the cosmos as a body, generating it out of the five elements manifested by his own potency and then entered into it through his own integrated portion, he attained the name Purusha. We can we we hear as I said there could be confusion because a lot of these manifestations of the Supreme Lord are referred to variously. And I was discussing this with Ashram Maharaj and he, he gave an interesting analogy of the way the Shastra presents all these different manifestations of the Lord that I thought was good. He picked up this blue a diamond that Bhakti Ross has on her desk. And he said, it's like this. He said, all these different facets are different facets of the Supreme Lord. And it depends on how you bend, the, bend it. How the light hits the gem, you see a different facet. And you look in it and it's like this facet was there and now it's there and now it's there. But it's one facet of, of one cut on this on the on the diamond gemstone. So we can kind of look like that. These fat, these, these sages are trying to give us some perception as to the multifaceted dimensions of the Supreme Lord and how those dimensions of the Lord interact with his external potency, both and how they interact with his Swarup Shakti, how they interact within his Swarup Shakti, which is his very nature. So in the spiritual realm, they have functions in the Leela of the Supreme there, in the various manifestations that he shows, that he, well, he actually manifests himself according to the loving relationship of his devotees. Some of the devotees within Vaikuntha realm, they love the Lord uh, with awe and reverence and they see the Lord entirely differently and they see these different manifestations you know from that perspective of awe and reverence and it can take them up to a certain level of emotional exchange in love with the Lord Santa Ross and some 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 service attitude also so there's some retail neutrality and then there of a just majestic vision and then there's also some service attitude there in the Vaikuntha realm. 
But we can go further than that and we can go to Ioja and we can see, well, there's other emotions available and those are reciprocated, but they're reciprocated in a very limited manner with specific individuals. But in, in Galok, then the devotees are, the awe and reverence is gone. And although though there's only one Mother Yasoda, the emotional exchange with Krishna in fraternal affection is available to so many of Krishna's devotees there. And he manifests in relationship to that and he displays pastimes in relation to that emotion, that loving emotion of his devotees. And sometimes when he comes and he he manifests within the material realm, then they're even given, given a deeper fraternal, like they have fraternal love for Krishna in this, you know, in the spiritual realm. When he comes, they come with him to display for us those kind of emotions. And there's a unique feature there. The Leela the Leela is 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 amazing in that well Krishna actually becomes their their sons for that one year. And then that that emotional exchange with the Lord is enhanced even more. So much so that the cowherd men and the and the cows are running down the, from the mountains, practically, you know, tripping over themselves to be with the with the cows and with with their children. So this all these different facets, all the scriptures are trying to give us a handle, and and you know we'll get a general idea, but. You, your mind is going to say, well, wait a minute here. I want to know specifically, is it Prajumna or is it Aniruddha? And, you know, you, you say this one time and you say this the next time. I want, I want to have an exact formula. Well, the exact formula, let's give you as, as close of an approximation as to how the Lord manifests within the material universe. Well, is he a Leela avatar? Or is he manifests as a Guna avatar or a Purusha? He manifests in all three and different, with different aspects of his different potencies. So, you know, put on your seatbelt and, and try to assimilate as much as you can, but assimilate the truth. Behind everything is Krishna. And what we experience here independent of the Swarup Shakti that comes through the agency of, of the Guru and Krishna as we advance in pure devotional service within the material realm, independent of that ingress of the Swarup Shakti, the mind and intellect can only take us so far. So for the materialist, these all this subject is is beyond their comprehension to even to intellectualize up to a point but at a certain point they need to enter into some practice it has to be the three sambanda abhideya and prayojan all three 
come together to form what is the d deeper appreciations and revelations and realizations of all this these words on the page you know that that come to us in the form of scripture he who is referred to in this verse as purusha is again called narayan in the brahma samhita cited by jiva goswami from all this it is concluded that sambhu is an intermediary between Krishna and Mahavishnu. Sambhu is an intermediary, a potentiality of material manifestation. Properly, in prop, I'm sorry. It's popular that the word also refers to Shiva. The reason for this is that Durga is the deity of the material energy, and her husband is Shiva or Sambhu. Mahavishnu does not contact the material energy directly, but does so through his conduit in the form of Shiva. Thus Shiva or Sambhu becomes the causal agent or linga for Mahavishnu. This is understood from Brahma Samhita. Thus, it is understood that there are two Sambhus. One is Narayan and the other is Shiva. One, Narayan, never directly coming in contact with the external energy, and the other, Shiva, coming into the external energy as the creative vimedia, linga, that allows the Lord to exert energy within the material realm. Moving on, the second purusha. So we've been talking about first Karnadakshai Vishnu. And that that the Lord manifesting the Purusha avatars, the avatars that are instrumental in the manifestation of the material world. So these terms, linga, the 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 potency, the um, what was the other word that was used? An indication, an indicator of the of the of the potency of God. So all this, first of all, is being seen in relationship with Karnadakshai Vishnu, the Lord, as he lies down in the causal ocean and however you want to envision it. You can envision it as, as he's breathes out and all the universes are coming or some envision that all the universes are within his pores of the great, you know, great Mahavishnu, this great manifestation of the Lord in relationship with his creative potency, which is a potency that comes through him in potentiality 
But here, that potentiality can be referred to and is referred to in relationship to the Lord as Sambhu. But the Lord never directly contacts. So therefore, we have a Shiva, which is another manifestation of the Lord. He's not quite a Jiva, and he's not quite God. He's in between. But he's a lot of God. Mm. Yes, he is in between in that regard. Yes. So now, going on to the second Purusha. So we have all the you have the Lord lying down, and this creative potency is there, and the creative potency is coming with all these unlimited universes. There, you could not count them all. And then the Lord enters into each individual one of those universal egg-like shells. The shell itself is comprised of all the material elements in different thicknesses. One ten times thicker than the other, the next ten times thicker than the one before, starting with the subtle elements, the inner part of the shell, the outer shell being um, the earthly element, or is it the other way? Hmm? So the further, so the thicker, the thickest would be the most subtle material element. Okay, so we have earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego, the shell of the universe. Then the Lord again enters into that egg-like shell, and they say. Well, there's nothing there but him at the time, so he himself manifests uh, an ocean from his perspiration. Some say some is, he perspires, or they refer to it that way, and he lies down on Seishanag within that ocean, and that manifestation is the second Purusha, the second creative manifestation of the Supreme Lord, the Purusha avatar known as Garbodakshai Vishnu. So now a little discussion on that from Vajiva. The second Purusha is the indweller Atryami of the aggregate of all Jivas, Samasti Jiva, as indicated in statements such as Yes, Karvadakshai. But under the way, uh, see the way Jiva worded it. Uh, the aggregate of all Jivas, not the individual Jiva, the aggregate of all Jivas within the universe. So, referred to as Samasti Jiva. So, all the Jivas are there with Karvadakshai Vishnu, as indicated in statements such as, after creating the world, he entered into it. Um, that's from an Upanishad, Tatotriya probably. Because this form is involved with the universes, which are manif- manifold, this Purusha has numerous divisions. 
So Karna Dakshai Vishnu is one manifestation of the Lord. Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, there's one for every universe. So from our viewpoint, there's unlimited manifestations of Garbo Dakshai Vishnu. From our microcosmic or I don't know, maybe medium cosmic uh, viewpoint, there's one Garbhadakshai Vishnu within our one, the one universal shell that we are in. Among which, this Purusha has many numerous divisions, among which are sometimes included Pradyumna, which is the indweller of the subtle psychic dimension of being. And Adi Ruda, who is the indweller of the gross or physical dimension of being. From this it can be concluded that the original Sankarshan and the other supracosmic forms of Vasudeva, Prajumna and Aniruddha, who are situated in Mahavaikuntha, are the whole of which these cosmic forms are parts. So Jeeva is saying here, that these manifestations, Sankarshan, Prajumna, and Aniruddha, within the material realm or within a specific individualized cosmic manifestation, are manifest are coming from those spiritual that first Chaturvyuha manifestation of Vasudev, Prajumna, Sankarshan, and Aniruddha. From this it can be concluded that the original Sankarshan and the other supracosmic forms of Vasudeva, Prajumna, and Aniruddha, who are situated in Mahavaikuddha, are the whole of which these cosmic forms are the parts. Furthermore, the cosmic forms of Vasudeva and so on, who are the presiding deities of pure intellection, chitta, and other psychic functions are parts of these original forms. So there's a lot of dimensions to Garbhodakshai Vishnu and that energy which is referred to as the that manifestation of the Lord which is referred to within a universe as Samasti Jiva. All the jivas are residing there in him. And then one pops out. And then we start a creation. That first jiva to come is Lord Brahma. Sometimes there's not a jiva qualified enough with enough qualification to pop out, so to speak, from the navel of the Lord so the Lord himself does the task and becomes the creator and we will go on in the next uh, not in the very next but in following Anuchedas we're going to come to an, the explanation of the Guna avatars so all this is coming from the Paramatma feature all these manifestations of the Lord are coming and they're coming through this agency of this manifestation.
Paramatmeti, this Paramatma manifestation of the Lord, all these different manifestations arise. Now we come to the third Purusha. So the third Purusha, Jiva continues, is the indweller of the individual being. Vyasti Atrayami. As described in statements such as the following. Again, this is from the Upanishads. There are two birds who are ever related and who thus share an intimate friendship sitting on the same tree. Of these two, one eats the papaya fruit, papala fruit, which is full of divergent taste, while the other shines in his own glory, merely witnessing without eating. Because of the innumerable divisions of jivas, there are variegated divisions of the third purusha. Jiva continues. The manifestation of the first Purusha is as described in the Bhagavatam. The first descent of the Supreme, Sri Vasudev, is the Purusha. That's from this second canto. Swami comments, Jiva says. Well, we know what Swami is talking about, Sridhar Swami. So, Sridhar Swami writes the following. The first Purusha of the Supreme means Bhumna of he who is the aggregate of all things, Sri Vasudev. Purusha means the impeller or primordial nature, Prakriti. He who has a form appropriate for the play of cosmic creation, Leela Vigraha, with a thousand heads and so on, as described in the Purusha Sukta prayers of the Rig Veda, is the first manifestation. Also gives us an indication, I mean, thousand heads, thousand arms. How can we understand all these various manifestations of the Supreme when he has a thousand a thousand, a thousand heads, a thousand arms is how the Upanishads are speaking? Yeah, and you're trying to say, well, I want to know what the categories are and which one does what and what you can't even count them all so you know as I said we can be given some indication from scripture but let's just leave it at this we the Lord is beyond the comprehending power and really do, do you really do you really want to know all of it well Arjuna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra at one point for others' benefit, said, I want to see it all. And what happened? He was overwhelmed. No, I, I didn't mean it. Please, could you go back to your to your forearm form? Oh, better yet, just, just as I know you in your two-arm form. I can't take this. How am I supposed to wrap my consciousness around these multi-forms everywhere. And there is some description there. Everywhere is hands and the, you know, faces. And it's, it's overwhelming.
to see all these manifestations of the Supreme, what to speak to specify and try to understand every single manifestation and how it interacts. So we're given some general direction. Well, there's Purusha avatars. They fall into three categories. And this is their general functionality, how they function in relationship with the external energy. And then there's Guna avatars. Here and also, here and also elsewhere, the word descent, avatar, means self-manifestation, avirbhav, within the material creation, which is characterized by one-fold dimensionality of being, ekapad vibhuti, the one dimension being mortality alone as described in Bhagavat Sandarbha Anucheda 67. So that's our dimension. When we talk about Ekapad Vibhuti, there's one dimension there. What is it? Yes. That's the, that's the dimension of material existence. A little commentary here to end up this Second Anucheta. The three Purusha expansions are considered to be partial manifestations of Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha, respectively. So, meaning Sankarshan. All of them come from Sankarshan in the <laughs> transcendental realm. When he says respectively here, he's referring to respectively in relationship to the Purusha avatars, Sankarshan being representative of the Karnadakshai Vishnu, Prajumna being representative or a partial manifestation of Pradyumna and Aniruddha respectively as Kashiradakshai Vishnu. Within an individual universe, one universe, Pradyumna becomes the cause of creation by entering Brahma, who has four heads. Sankarshan becomes the cause of dissolution by entering Rudra. And Aniruddha, who is Vishnu himself, personally oversees the sustenance of the cosmos. The presiding deities of Chitta, Ahankar, Bhuti, and Manas are also called Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha, respectively. So we can see they have different functions. They have a lot, you know, they, they, they perform different functions. Or that aspect of the Supreme that performs these functions is referred to variously in relationship with his with those functions. So in relationship with creation of the cosmos, we have Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha rep- represented within Karnadakshai Vishnu, Garbhadakshai Vishnu, and Kashiradakshai Vishnu. In relationship to the functions 
of the mind and the intellect. With it, they also have functionality there. As Vasudev, Sagarsan, Padumna, and Aniruddha, representative of the functionality of the Chitta, the Ahankar, the Bodhi, and the Manas, respectively. They are the cosmic partial manifestations of the quadruple forms of the spiritual world. In the next section, Sri Jiva will specify the second Purusha as found in Srimad Bhagavatam. So this second Anacheta primarily spoke in detail the, all of our last discussion, which was pretty intense, on this Anacheta. This Anacheta primarily deals with Karna Dakshai Vishnu. And then there's a little bit dealing with Garbo Dakshai Vishnu. Gashira Dakshai Vishnu. Now we go on to the very third Anucheda. And. Before you move on, Prajuna represents mind or intellect? Yeah, can you read those? Yeah, sure. Respectively, Chitta. Ahankar, Bodhi, and Manas are also called the presiding deities of those functionalities. Chitta, Ahankar, Bodhi, and Manas are Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha. So the next Anucheda, number three. Remember, these from the second through the seventh Anucheta deal with uh, these three manifestations of Paramatma. So we're in the third Anucheta. The second Purusha is disclosed as disclosed in the Bhagavat Purana. And the verses in this section basically describe. Um, Brahma's experience as evidentiary in regards to the second Purusha because, well, as I said, Brahma was the first one there, so he had a <laughs> and he had a bird's eye view, not a real bird's eye view, but a comprehensive view. So, Jiva Goswami continues the description of the second Purusha is given in Sri Maitreya's teachings to Vidura. Then, Jiva quotes from the Srimad Bhagavatam's third canto, eighth chapter, due to perfect engagement in yoga for the full lifespan of a human being, Brahma attained complete awakening and he saw self-manifested within his heart that which he had been unable to see before. A Purusha was lying on a couch made by the huge body of the Shasis snake, white as the fiber fiber of a lotus. 
So Brahma did find himself within this universal shell, but he, imagine Brahma's position. He's there. He's like he's. It's like he's self-born. It's like, wow, I'm on this lotus. Where did I come from? How did I get here? There has to be something. There had to be some cause to me being here. What was the cause? I can see I, I, I'm on a lotus flower type thing. Uh, but how? Well, naturally, I mean, imagine yourself in his, in his position. What would you do? Well, let's trace out my source. So he crawled down the lotus. Where did the lotus come from? Here I am on a lotus. It had to come from somewhere. What's its source? So I can find out what's my source. Because here I am born on it. And he couldn't trace it out. He climbs down the stem of the lotus and he can't trace out a source. But he hears something. Think about it. it. was basically what he heard. Tapas. Perform some austerity. Put your mind to it, not your body. You're in a dilemma. You don't know your source. You've, you've tried your body. You climbed down the lotus. You didn't find your source. So maybe you should just use other faculties. Tapa. 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 Deeply think about your situation in a contemplative way, it will probably come to you. So he did. And what's spoken here in this verse from the Bhagavatam is he performed that for a full lifetime, lifespan of a human being. Doesn't say in the verse whether it was a human being from the heavenly planets or a human being on the earthly, because time hadn't come into play yet. That's part of Brahma's creative, uh, you know, what he he puts he he utilizes that energy of the Lord. So the refer Jiva continues. The Purusha referred to here is the thousand-headed Pradyumna. Situated in the Garbodak Ocean. The compound Purusha Yusa, I'm sorry, for the full lifespan of a human being means for 100 years. Yoga here means Bhakti Yoga. Whose 100 years as a, we're using as a comparison? is not revealed in the in the sloka itself. Jiva continues. This is further described later in the same chapter. And he goes on, quoting another verse from the Bhagavatam. 
The Purusha whom Brahma saw was the king of the tree that is the world, whose roots are invisible and around whose trunk is coiled the hoods of the king of the serpents, Sesha. So some metaphorical language here in the verse itself from the Bhagavatam is translated. Here the phrase, whose roots are invisible, Jiva goes on to explain, means he who, below whom lies the unmanifested, avyakta, or in other words, the undifferentiated material energy, pradana. He's whose roots are invisible. In other words, it's this primary, primordial energy of the Supreme and undifferentiated. Different forms have yet to take shape from this energy. And we sometimes refer to this energy as Pradhan. The king of the tree that is the world means one who exists as the controller, Indra, of the trees in the form of the 14 planetary systems, Bhuvana. So it's a way of looking at it. It's not, a, it's not meant to be a rope, you know, an exact, you know, it's a way that these, that the idea can come into our mind that we can wrap around. This is, this is how the, the creation starts out. It's like this. There's no manifestation that you can trace out. That even Brahma created the universe. He can't trace out of his own energy. But it's a, an unmanifested energy of the Supreme Lord. And from this, then, Brahma will be given the intelligence to comprehend how to put the pieces together, how to use this energy as it has been used in the, in the past. This is a continual cycle of creation. So here you are in the position of a Brahma and through my intelligence, you will gain the knowledge of how to create the universe and make all this energy come to life. You can't trace out the root of the energy. It's, it's unmanifested at this point. But it is my energy and it's resting as I rest on Seishanaga, this aspect of the Supreme. So that's the third Anacheda. And we'll continue next class with the fourth. The third Purusha is disclosed in the Bhagavat Purana. So the next Anacheda will discuss the Shiradakshai Vishnu primarily. Any questions? Thank you so much.